0: Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 555. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by SlowFlowers.com, the free online directory to more than 880 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers. And to the farms that grow those blooms, it's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, FarmGrow Flowers. FarmGrow Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S. supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown, fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. Thank you to the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Well, last week was Earth Day, and I hosted a video interview with two Slow Flowers members here in Seattle who have been researching ways to infuse sustainability into sympathy flowers. It's basically a non-green topic, and we want to turn it into a green topic. I've invited Lori Polisky of Flory and Tammy Myers of Laura Bloom to share their experience, research, and future plans on this subject. Just for context, based on funeral industry statistics, if half of the funerals in the U.S. annually have traditional funeral flowers, Lori and Tammy estimate that up to 1.2 million plastic and floral foam saddle caskets, wreath forms, and cages, none of which are biodegradable, end up in the landfill every year. Flori and Laura Bloom want to change farewell flowers to make them not only environmentally friendly, but beautiful, meaningful, and personal. After a long life or a tragic death, one should be laid to rest with beauty, and the flowers should do no harm, they believe. These women are on a mission to raise awareness about this topic, first with consumers, florists, and the funeral industry, and second by offering sustainable options for clients in the Seattle area and by hosting sustainable mechanics classes for florists. While the main focus will be around designing sympathy or farewell flowers, there's certainly potential for making daily deliveries and event work even greener using these methods. Lori and Tammy have partnered with a certified green burial cemetery, Cedar Lawns, based in Redmond, Washington, to get started. They recently designed green farewell flowers for a photo shoot at Cedar Lawns, and they're preparing a brochure and booklet, as well as listing the items digitally on their respective websites. We'll share links to all those resources, but let's jump right in and learn more. Hi everybody! I am so excited to welcome you back to the Slow Flowers Show, and I'm Deborah Prinzing, And today we've got a very special Earth Day edition. I believe this is episode 555. So groovy, right? We've got a good good balance in our numbers. I want to welcome two guests who both have been on the podcast and before, and Lori's been on the vodcast. So first, Lori Polisky of Flori. Hi, Lori.
1: Hi, Deborah. Hi, Tammy. <laughs>
0: And Tammy Myers of Laura Bloom and First in Bloom. Hi, Tammy. Hi. Okay. Well, the roots of today's episode really began in a series of conversations that Lori and Tammy have been having, and they shared with me, kind of brought me in on it. And it's really about what's happening in the, this sounds weird, but the sympathy and funeral business. (laughs) And you know what? We're all going to die. So we all need to know about this. And it's a growth area for a lot of florists. Um, that goes without saying, uh, that we want to serve our clients, um, with meaningful flowers for family, um, celebrations of life. And so I want to, um, just jump into this conversation and, and follow kind of a thought process uh, that both of you got to and um, you're both both based in the Seattle area and you collaborate a lot. And so Lori, maybe you can just give us a little bit of an introduction to what led to this conversation and, and what influenced you. And then Tammy can jump in with her thoughts.
2: Okay. Well, probably um, a couple of years ago, I was approached to do a a, a full casket spray for a Buddhist ceremony and it was a uh, funeral home in shoreline area and it was required that i used a saddle casket now i've been in business for about in may it'll be 5 years and i don't use floral foam but i had to buy a saddle casket because it was a requirement i had already taken the job and i wanted to provide you know beautiful flowers for this woman's mother and it was really Painful to have to use a saddle casket, and I realized. Then I started doing some research that the majority of the funeral homes in the area they require it. Uh, I started researching. A lot of it looks dated. It looks the same for the last fifty years. You know, you can have a casket spray, a half casket, a standing spray. They use palm, lily, carnations, some roses. It all looks the same. And I thought, well, Tammy and I and our everyday business, you know, events and dailies, we are sustainable florists. Why would it be any different for funeral? Because I, you know, I do flowers for the whole lifespan. If somebody has a baby, I deliver flowers, they get married, there's an anniversary. And I don't treat it any differently if somebody dies. I mean, that's a really fragile, important time for a family. And I think the flowers should be beautiful, meaningful, and not pollute. And right. The plastic <clears> in the floral foam
0: it gets tossed in the landfill. So, can you just just because I've never worked with one, is it
2: is it just like a f- shape that fits over the top of the casket? Is that what a saddle casket is? Yeah, there's a full and a half, and it's a kind of a plastic molded tray that you can put uh, the oasis blocks in in a cage, and it can be and it and it's a little bit curved. Mm-hmm. Baskets can be.
0: Covered. Right. So they sort of think the funeral industry just sort of has adopted this as standard protocol. It's standard. And so as the floral industry. Yeah. And Tammy, how about you? Has that been your experience with, with the sympathy flowers that you've done?
1: Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, I've been in business just like, I'll uh, I'll just reiterate exactly what Lori said. Um, I can remember, gosh, in the early 2000s, I'm dating myself when I worked in a shop and there was funeral business. And I mean, the exact same pictures that were used. What was that? 20, 25 years ago. And it's the exact same stuff and nothing has changed. Nothing has evolved. And, you know, Lori and I, we consult each other a lot in our businesses. And we're always talking about you know, new niches, and how we can help improve the industry. And, um, and we just kept coming back to this. And I would tell you that since I've been in business, um, I, I kind of dare say that about 50 to maybe between 40 and 60%, depending on the time of year, my business is all sympathy. And so it's actually a really important part of my business. And I take, you know, a lot of pride and honor in, you know, the service that I provide for my community. And I just think that Lori and I put our heads together and we started, you know, to, to think how we can make this uh, better for the, for the whole.
0: And the two of you have done some research because this has been going on. You've had this conversation, uh, you know, for over a year. So I I don't know, we, you're going to be writing about this, Lori, so we don't have to give all of the research, but can can you touch on some of the sort of disturbing
2: numbers that you came across? Yes. So, um, it's, it's actually a little bit challenging to get hard numbers for funeral sympathy, AKA farewell flowers in the floral industry. And I'm reached out to Society of American Florists. I'm trying to get some information, um, good data, but I can give you the The funeral industry is a $20 billion industry in the United States. And as of, let's see, 2019, there were 2.4 million funerals. I'm sorry, that was 2020 statistics, 2.4 million funerals per year. One of the local funeral directors that I'm working with and Tammy's working with, she said about half will do, uh, you know, like a full casket and maybe half will do flowers, maybe because of expense or it's not part of their culture and religion. But, um, so if you wanted to just, you know, run the numbers, that's, um, 1.2 million funerals that are using spray, spray casket, foam and plastic, and that's going in the landfill. So, and in part of that research, and just, just as an aside, um, this brought up all kinds of like green options to be buried. Uh, you could, um, it's an industry that you know you're burying embalming fluid, wood, concrete, steel, and so it's not just flowers. Flowers are just a section of that. But right. So Tammy and I came across green burials, and there's actually a green burial council in the United States, and it certifies uh, cemeteries and funeral homes. They can have a hybrid. There can be a natural conserva- cons- conservation area. And so it's um. It's an area that needs to be addressed, but probably because it's about death, it gets uh, pushed to the side a little bit because it's uncomfortable to talk about death.
0: Yeah, yeah. So when Tammy says that she's doing forty to sixty percent sympathy flowers, I love the term you guys coin or are using farewell flowers. I think that's so positive. Um, are, are some of them being sent to people in their homes, Tammy? So that your your choice not to use foam is is basically not in the equation. You're just doing that for the, the recipient without them even realizing that you're making that choice or, you know, how are you? Cause that's easy to control. It's what happens at the s- funeral itself. It sounds like is what's hard to control.
1: Yeah. Um, so I would say there are, there's kind of two different aspects to this type of business. Um, there's the one that, uh, is kind of the everyday sympathy flowers. Um, most often Um, what I am actually delivering is, you know, someone within the family or a a business colleague or uh, a close uh, friend, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, they've learned of someone who has passed and and they want to send flowers. And then those, you know, the flowers get sent to the home. Um, Most often they want the soft colored palette. Um, But there are plenty of other people that say, I just want something bright and cheery." And I would say that they probably come to me because they see the site first. Um, This is for my first in bloom. So they they already have read that you're using sustainable practices. Yeah, I don't know if they I don't know if they necessarily maybe realize that I am you know kind of sustainable in that way. Um, They are looking at the aesthetic. They Mm. want something more than what they see on a lot of other sites because they know that that is, you know, very, um, um it's very cookie cutter, yeah, right? yeah And so they're looking for something more to begin with. And then I would say what Lori and I have tried to work or move our way into is, you know, understanding the funeral side and it operates at a totally different level. Um, and for me, Uh, it can be very, you know, anyone who's in retail, they know that it's a very fast process. So a lot of times the order is either, um, online. I actually never talk to the person ever. Um, or if I do get a phone call, um, you know, that's really the only interaction that I have. And, um, uh, but with funeral, it it's, it's different. And I think that When we've went out and talked to people and florists about the funeral industry, some of the feedback, like Lori uh, mentioned, we get, um, uh, there's a a level of discomfort because we're talking about such a sensitive subject. But what's important for florists to understand is that um, when you start delving into the funeral, you're not actually working with the one-on-one family member you're actually working with the funeral home directly. Wow. And that changes that, that, that allows us to um, kind of change how we think and where we put our mindset while we're doing this. Mm. So um, backing
0: up a little bit, I know Lori, last year you worked on uh, you did flowers for some casket sprays that you, you did some experimentation on how you would do the mechanics and, can you talk a little bit about that and or how how is that? What have well, you discovered?
2: Oh, well, I started doing some research about who was doing, you know, I, I follow people on Instagram and it seems like in England, they've been doing this for a long time. They call them farewell flowers, which I like the alliteration. And I think it feels a little bit better than funeral yeah, or sympathy or celebration of life. So I'm kind of adopting that here. Uh, farewell with a explanatory note. So they know what it is. Um, and also uh, they do a lot of what's called a sheaf bouquet, as in a sheaf of wheat, S H E A F. Mm. And so that is just hardy uh, flowers that you might use for an event, maybe a long two-foot bouquet flat on one side tied with, uh, you know, compostable twine or silk ribbon so that the whole bouquet is compostable. It can be on the casket. It could be by an urn. Um, family members and friends could take, take it apart. I did one for a flower farmer um, locally and her 105 year old grandmother died. And so rather than call, rather than having the funeral home contact the florist that they, that that person usually worked with, she called me and she said, Lori, can you do the funeral flowers for my grandmother? And I thought, well, it's an honor. She was 105 years old. You know, Patty is a flower farmer And so, um, that I made a sheep bouquet that was for a half casket and I did two urn arrangements and, um, um, and soft colors and with silk ribbon and, um, the family really loved it. So that said to me, um, we just have to raise awareness and do it differently because in my opinion, this is just my opinion, but I would say that the, Flowers that you have at a service, memorial service funeral, should be the flowers that you would send to someone when they were alive. They should represent what they loved and the color. And I don't know why everything looks the same and it looks compact and tight. And yeah, it's like the mass
0: produced funeral kind of thing. I mean, personally, I lost my dad two years ago. I've shared this story with both of you that, you know, we are so bereft. We just like we're. Sitting in front of this you know, at a desk with this person who's like letting us, giving us three choices, and we're point, pointing to whatever we thought was the most masculine color palette. And I, I wish that I had ha- I mean, I, I asked if they could use a slow flowers member in Everett uh, because that's where the funeral was, and they're like, no, we've got our we've got our contract with certain florists, so I couldn't even break from that protocol. And, um, my state of mind was such that I was dealing with my mother and I just, I couldn't make a good decision. And I regret that now I make up for it because I can take flowers to the grave site and they're all from my garden. But so I'm, I'm paying back the bad karma (laughs) from that. Well, I mean, it was a time of, you know, sadness and tragedy. And I know multiply that by the 2.4 funerals that happen a year. It's crazy.
2: Well, and you raise a, a good point, Deborah. About uh, you know when a funeral home says they have a contract, I, I do believe that if you are a customer and you are paying for flowers, that you should be allowed to go outside of that contract. Or I right. mean, it's really it's really a preferred vendor, right? Right. And, and, and d- diving into that whole part of it, we're learning that I think Society of American Florists they had an article where I think sixty percent of the funerals don't use funeral homes, don't have a contract, but then 40% do and it's entrenched and they've yes. been working together for years. So I, I, I would like to examine all of that because yeah. I, you know,
0: you Why? guys are out to crack the code and redefine um, a, a greener, more sustainable earth friendly choice that I thought, you know, the most uh, horrifying thing is that, we're putting a toxic product on the you know on the goodbye you know gesture of a casket and it just seems kind of bad <laughs>
2: you know that- it's um it's kind of antithetical that you're you know you're you're um saying goodbye to your loved one and you're polluting <laughs> yeah you're putting formaldehyde in the ground right? and it's not just uh caskets it's uh urns and crematoriums that uh, we learned that um, there are natural urns that can be buried Um, you know, you don't really want metal or so anyway, there's a whole bunch of green options for cremation as well.
0: Um, so you were trying to kind of find out what, what the floral world thought. And you we did a, we created a survey and we included it a couple months ago in uh, slow flowers monthly newsletter. We didn't get a lot of responses. So you went out and also posted it on Instagram and I don't know if you, what did you find and did you, did it help inform some of the things that you're trying to plan for, for the future?
2: Okay. Yeah, we didn't get, I'll say we had 41 responses and that is a function of, um, my particular survey stopped after that number, but Mm -hmm. um, you could open it up and probably get more. Yeah. Uh, So the first question was, if you're a retail or studio florist, do you offer sympathy or funeral flowers? Um, 85% said yes, uh, 15% said no. And then the next question, which was really intriguing for Tammy and for me, was do you use traditional floral foam? And then if yes, do you know about alternative uh, compostable materials? sixty six percent said they do use floral foam and thirty four percent said no um so that was interesting and they they would be most of i think only a few people said they would not be interested in uh alternative materials or compost mm-hmm. so that was interesting and then um we did ask you know are you are you interested in learning more about um, sustainable techniques to create eco friendly funeral flowers um and 95% said yes. So Tammy and I are thinking of offering, you know, for florists kind of an in-person workshop and then perhaps doing some kind of video tutorial and making that available online. And it's not going to be, um, you know, like this fun workshop with, you know, food and wine and stuff. It's going to be That'll really, be
1: fun.
2: <laughs> I mean, it'll be fun, but it's going to be more about the mechanics. Right. And the learning heart- kind of- kind of continuing education and it's really our um, trial and error of using these techniques. I mean, we have practiced in, you know, for the green burials, you can't have any metal glass, plastic, everything has to be compostable. Um, it's, they have really strict guidelines. So that was a challenge Yeah, to come up with. Yeah. I
0: love it though, that you, you kind of, you kind of, in a way it's like old world, like all of that, it, There probably was nothing manufactured, you know, even, you know, 200 years ago. So, or who knows, you know, longer than that, but.
2: Oh yeah. There's a fascinating article and it was, um, uh, burials and embalming kind of the, it became commercial, um, during the civil war when so many people died and they had to transfer the bodies, to homes and really, when Lincoln, President Lincoln died, is when they would like embalm him at various stops across the country. Oh. that's when. So you know, eighteen what sixty-five. So um, people
0: could could uh, say goodbye to the president.
2: Mm-hmm. And Correct. He can yeah. look
0: look oh that's kind of creepy. So that's, yeah, that's,
2: you know, <laughs> before that, um, there were you know there there wasn't an embalming and there you know there weren't plastic and metal. Florals options. So.
0: Well, you talked about the um, the relationship that you're building with this local green cemetery. And I wanted to hear a little bit more about that and uh, what you've been doing to um, kind of create some some products and some offerings that you can um, provide to their clients and hopefully other clients as well. Because you did a photo shoot uh, with our friend, Missy Palakal, and you're going to share some of the photos that I'll include in um in the edit of this. So I'm just how did that all come about?
1: Well, Lori had actually had um a uh, she had kind of been working on this relationship for a while and you know last year uh was very busy for her and so she looped back um at the beginning of the year and um and we just decided that you know we were going to go visit her and meet her and again, I think there's this, um, uh, there's this, um, stigma that everyone is, you know, out there to make a dollar. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. She was absolutely delightful and she gave us all the information, um, that we asked of her and she was really honest and open and shared things. And we just, we went in with a lot of questions and there were times when we had to kind of say, Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, this is a dumb question, but um, you know, she understood that we were learning. And so once we had those questions, you know, it was a very overwhelming day for both of us. Um, And I was quite taken back uh, by what I learned and just you know, the knowledge is super important. You can't go into it thinking that you have it figured out. Um, and, and from there, Lori and I created a plan, um, as to, um, what we felt was going to be most important to capture, to have Missy capture and, uh, the actual making of it, it was very stressful. It was, um, (laughs) It was an investment. It is an absolute investment. And you can't go in, if you're going to go in and do this, you got to go all in. Um, And so we went all in, and it helped that we were working together. So, um, you know, Lori and I, like, you know, we kind of had an agreement between each other as to, you know, how we were going to handle this. And, um, and then we did it. And it turned out great. And So this was Um,
0: Cedar Lawns is the um, certified green burial cemetery and it's in
2: Redmond, which is east of Seattle. Is that right? That's correct. And it is a hybrid uh, cemetery. So they have a traditional and then they have an area that's uh, certified green burial. And it's just um, tall trees with cedar paths. And, um, you know, Tammy and I both think. You know, when you see it, you're like, well, why aren't we all getting buried like this? And it's, um, you know, instead of a a tomb headstone, you have a a boulder and then you can have the name on the boulder. It's nice. Is this the only one in the Seattle area? No, there's one in Snohomish. And then I think there's one down south and uh, perhaps one up north. Um, You can go into the Green Burial Council website and see.
0: Yeah, we'll share that link. It's interesting. It's still kind of a new new movement in, in the funeral industry, though, that that a major metropolitan area with 3 million people has maybe three or four options available. And so if someone's listening to this, they may or may not have one in their area, but it doesn't mean they couldn't approach a local you know, funeral home or cemetery and just propose something like this. I mean,
2: you're gonna start educating people about how they do that, right? Right. And I think we both came to the conclusion that, you know, when it's our time, we, I mean, I don't wanna speak for Tammy, but you know, I mean, if I have a choice, and I do, I mean, I, that's how I would prefer because I don't want to, um, you know, I, I in my daily life, I try to have a, you know, low carbon footprint. And, um, you know, I don't want my final one to be full of, you know, toxins.
0: Well, let's talk about the elements. So um, what, how did you guys come to put this photoshoot together and what are the key elements to consider? And maybe Tammy, you can talk a little bit about what you did and then Lori can add um, what she did in terms of design, because the designs are beautiful and not, not cookie cutter. Like you talked about Tammy.
1: Well, what I will say is Lori is a fantastic, like investigator researcher. So, you know, we would just be randomly talking about something and, you know, we would see something that we might be able to like steal an idea from, and then she would go run off and she, you know, would buy these things to test. And then she was like, I think I'm going to test this. And, (laughs) and then, um, and so after several tests, you know, like I tried it in my space because temperature is important. um, Moisture is important, you know, all the things that, that we worry about and, Uh, And then finally, every florist who's been in the business for a while knows that you just kind of got to, you just got to go and you got to wing it and you got to take the, that knowledge and skill that you have, and then you apply it to that project that you're working on. And then, and that's what we did. (laughs)
2: Well, um, I actually have our whiteboard here uh, or chalkboard. I'll just grab it. I will um, erase the dollar amount. (laughs) spent. Um, so we kind of came up with, well, I'll just show you, this is kind of our process here. Okay. Wow. It says, um, we divided it into three color palettes because we thought we would do kind of a bright, bold, tropical one. And then we would do kind of a, a soft white with a little bit of maybe cream, kind of creamy yellow. And then I wanted to do a meadow one. I'm obsessed with this meadow palette of like a soft palette. I love it. Um, Why not? And, and then we w- we're we going to, well, we're producing a, a brochure first and then a booklet for the funeral home. And it will just have uh, paint swatch colors down below so you could choose your color palette. But, you know, I'll just read it off. So we're going to have a white full casket, a white half casket, a white sheaf, a white high-low urn wreath, a white photo urn tray, a white standing spray, a white wreath. And then um, that was Tammy's. <laughs> And it was a lot of pieces, and they were big. You know, the full caskets are like three feet long, and the, you know, the
0: arrangement the arrangement on the full casket. Well, oh yeah, I yeah. mean, or
2: it even extends more with greenery, and then you know they're probably like twelve to fourteen inches tall. So um,
0: you're also kind of figuring out your pricing because if you're creating a brochure, this will be used then by Cedar Lawns when they're consulting with, with families. Right.
2: Right. And it's interesting because, um, you know, to be honest, because we're testing uh, mechanics and things to hold water that are compostable, it's actually more expensive to do it this way. I will tell you, I I went to the, um, the, uh, the restaurant stores have compostable takeout containers, compostable, Palm leaf trays and things like that. So I mean, I I I'm outside of the box on in the floral industry. That's so. what Tammy was referring to with the research, right? <laughs> oh, and then uh, Tammy and I are. I mean, we might buy some cedar lumber and make some like trays that hold water but are shallow because you have to support some of these. They're heavy. The full and half caskets are heavy, and we are using an alternative. Floral foam, uh, it is called Agriwool, and then there's an ocean pouch. But then there's also just good old moss that you, you know, you can't use metal. So in these green, so that's it is a, it's a design challenge. Yes, it is. Beautiful and make it 100 percent compostable. So no chicken wire. Nope. No, you know,
0: our staple. Right. In <laughs> that's interesting. Um, and then I noticed in the photos that there was a wicker casket is that what Cedar Lawns uh recommends to uh families that want the green burial?
2: They sell a wicker, a natural wicker, a, a white wicker, and then they sell a wool casket. Um and I have some of the tropical pictures on the wool. So um, oh, interesting. So any natural fiber or natural material that breaks down. And then they have for the urns, they have a a clay, a rock salt
1: one. And then tell me, do you know the other? Uh, the only other that I remember is that, um, you didn't have to have a casket. You could have a muslin cloth. Oh, wow. Um, it could be that basic. And, um, but I have to say that when you look at them, they were so beautiful mm-hmm. and, uh, I don't know, it, ch- it changed my perspective about me and how I want to go. Yeah. That's
0: great. Well, um, this has been so fascinating and I'm so grateful that you did the photo shoot and we're going to tease it out uh, in this conversation, but then um, Lori and I have been talking about having um, some kind of article or maybe a series um, that we'll publish in Slow Flower's journal. And I mean, that'll be coming like, that'll roll out as time goes on, but um, you both have a couple other things you want to share. One is the workshop you talked about. So, um, let's, is that determined yet or what are you thinking, uh, for that? It'll, uh, as Tammy said, it'll still be a little fun, but it'll be business. <laughs> are you going to teach that at your studio, Lori?
2: Yes. Uh, in the summer. And, um, because I have a 12 by 24 foot inside space and, uh, but I have my awning, so I'd love to do inside, outside. Spill and Spill out can- a little bit. Yeah. Our people. So we're thinking kind of with our schedules, maybe, uh, sometime in July, like after 4th of July holidays, um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: mid um, Yeah. Mid-summer. I mean, you could do it on a week, weekday evening,
0: cause it's going to be light so late even and cooler. So, okay. So people can find that you'll both be posting about that mm-hmm. and I'll make sure everyone has your social places. And then, um, the article, uh, that I know you're committed to doing one article for this, um, cultivated writing grant you received, right? Lori?
2: Yes, I entered a competition uh, cultivated by Kristen. Her last name is Gill, G-E-A-L-L, and she's in Canada. And she thought, uh, along with um, Cultivating Place and London Flower School, they gave out, um, I think, several writing grants about sustainability and sustainable floristry, and then also ethnobotany and uh, tropical flowers. So there were two travel. I really wanted the travel. But I said I wanted to go to England, and I think it was supposed to be tropical. And as we all know, yeah, (laughs) probably unless
0: you're going to go to like Kew Gardens in the conservatory,
2: (laughs) (laughs) right? Inside, but anyway, I was happy to write, uh, win this grant writing grant. And uh, the my goal is I'm researching and interviewing people that are doing this, and you know, like Shane Connolly is doing this big thing in England about church flowers and about sustainable flowers. It's funny how it all kind of uh, almost serendipity as soon as. I won the writing grant. He was talking about, you know, church flowers, um, in England and it's church flowers and sympathy. So, so the requirement is that I publish it by the end of December, 2022. So, um, yeah, we'll do that. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm working hard on that right now. So,
0: um, Okay, so the workshop, the article, and then somewhat related is this big project that Tammy's doing that I want to make sure we share about because it's going to affect our community here in Seattle and as a pilot. Um, so through Laura Bloom or through First and Bloom, which one is it, Tammy? Through Laura Bloom. Okay. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the vase challenge
1: <laughs> issue? Yeah, so... Um... It depends on what city you are in right now, Um, but in the Seattle area, um, there is a there's a company called Ridwell Recycling, and if you're familiar, um, they do a subscription based uh, recycling, uh, like at home pickup for you know everyday items. And um, in the first part of June, they are going to pilot a vase collection project. um that will happen in four neighborhoods right now, and um the idea is you know everybody knows that we have had quite a vase shortage in the last couple of years and um so we're hoping to- co- i'm hoping to collect a whole lot of vases that I can then you know redistribute in through uh in through the industry so
0: i'm um I may not be in the pre- the trial neighborhood, but i I know how Ridwell works because after you told me about how you're using it to mainly recycle plastic film, um, I'm all in. And so uh, every week there's sort of a featured product or every other week, a featured product like this week it was bread ties. And next week <laughs> oh, it's it was Yes. Oh, at man, least it, I missed a, out on that. At least in my neighborhood. And it was next time it's going to be corks. So, you oh. know, we we have these things piled up in, you know, jars in our house. So this is a great way to get rid of it. But the week that they do glass vases, Tammy, everybody has a bunch of them under their kitchen sink, you know, or in their pantry. And they're they're not going to get you don't you have more than you need if you're a homeowner probably right
1: yeah well they actually um one um i was really surprised that they said yes to the idea and then they they were very excited um but they also uh they needed they said that they intentionally limited it because they were concerned that i wouldn't be able to handle the quantity that is yeah. likely going to come in and I'm probably a little bit in denial and naive right now about what's about to happen. But you know, I'm just I'm just gonna wing it. Yeah. And <laughs> that will happens.
0: we're gonna have to publish uh photos of what you collect and hear how it goes. That's gonna be in June, right?
1: Yes, in okay. June. In June. And then okay. I do also want to mention that there has been a bit of a spin-off from that when you touched on the plastic sleeves. Um, we did, you were involved in a conversation. Um, we've had both uh, Seattle Wholesale Growers Market and Mayesh, uh, Seattle. Um, and so there are wholesalers that you know are um, concerned about the level of plastics that are passing through the industry and making it into the landfill. And so Ridwell um, came forward and did a study, um, a test. They took a sampling of all types of different plastics within the industry. And uh, at this moment, unfortunately, we are very limited on what can be recycled. Um, And as a good grain of salt to follow, anything that is a soft plastic that you can push your finger into like a bread sack type feel is the only thing, at least in the Seattle, uh, Washington State area, that we can um, that we can recycle and Ridwell can take. So, it's sort of a
0: disappointment, huh?
1: It was really, really sad. Um, I think everybody in the conversation was disappointed, but you know they really. Uh, Uh, I also went on to reach out to um, someone within the Washington State Ecology Department because I just wanted to be sure. And uh, I explained to her the situation and she said, if Ridwell told you you can't do this, then you can't do it. And the most responsible thing that we can do um, as an industry right now is to make sure that what is recyclable stays recyclable. And what isn't recyclable stays out of that collection, which unfortunately means going into the landfill.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, I thought about this a lot because I've been compost, spreading compost and mulch in my garden and those bags you can poke your finger into and that bagged, you know, I, I go through hundreds of them, you know, at, at every season, I'm, I'm happy to know that that at least can be recycled.
2: Yeah, I think you have to rinse them. Right. (laughs) I'm trying.
1: I'm trying, Lori.
2: I'm probably going to get an F from Ridwell. (laughs) No, but that's, I just wanted to add that um, the important part of this conversation, in my opinion, is that is raising awareness about what packaging is used in the floral industry. So, you know, here's a plea to all the flower growers out there, either large commercial ones or mom and pop shops. You know, you know, uh, we know a lot of like you know, female flower growers in Skagit. You know, right. thing. They use uh, you know brown paper. Right. Brown papers, you know, recyclable. Let's use that. I mean. I think, you know,
0: these are baby steps and just having this conversation on Earth Day to talk about, especially the uh, farewell flowers and funeral and sympathy uh, industry. First of all, I think there'll be a lot of follow-up and you guys have just started um, you're showing leadership by starting the conversation and doing the research and then j- you're sharing it, you know, with people who potentially are your competitors. And I, I applaud you both for doing that and uh, in that spirit of um, not like, Tammy talked about knowledge, the more knowledge we all have, hopefully we'll make better decisions. And it may be come to the point where the consumer is pushing the funeral industry as well. And we've seen that in the floral industry, you know, and we've seen it in organic food. Like when the consumer is asking that's even if people don't have the right motives, they're going to change, you know, and
2: well, and, um, you know, we're collaborative. Um, you know, I had a friend uh, who actually came and helped us. Um, she kind of freelanced for free uh-huh. freelancing to, to learn the, some of your techniques uh, well, to, to help us on the day of our, to the day before the um, shoot. Um, and she was like, well, I want to do it. And I said, well, we're not exclusive. We're going to, you know, talk about the materials and share it. Uh, we want, we want everybody in the Seattle area, if they're doing sympathy or funeral or whatever, farewell flowers, to do it in a more sustainable way. Yeah. I
0: mean, yeah, that's exciting.
2: Uh, well, this has been a fun way to
0: celebrate earth day and to see both of you and show your work. We'll have some of the photos integrated into the edited video. And then, um, when we run this as a podcast, uh, we'll have, uh, all the links, um, and uh, re, you know the replay video for people to see at slowflowerspodcast.com for episode 555. But uh, Lori Poliski of Flory and Tammy Myers of, Lori, of Laura Bloom, I love you both. And I uh, thank you for educating me and for our listeners and viewers today. This has just been a great conversation. And um, I think people will, even if they make one small change, they're going to benefit from what you've shared today.
2: Well, cool. Thanks for the opportunity, as always, Deborah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Our goal is always to inspire and encourage others to get out there and do the same thing in their community.
0: That's great. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us today. You'll want to check out our show notes for episode 555 at slowflowerspodcast.com, where you'll find the social media links for Flory and Laura Bloom. You'll also find the replay video of today's interview and see Lori and Tammy's sustainable farewell flowers from a recent photo shoot with Missy Palakal. I'll also share links to some of the resources we discuss. This conversation is continuing, and all three of us welcome your ideas and input. Our next sponsor thank you goes to Store It Cold, creators of the revolutionary CoolBot, a popular solution for flower farmers, studio florists, and farmer florists. Save thousands when you build your walk-in cooler with the CoolBot and an air conditioner. Don't have time to build your own? They also have turnkey units available. You can learn more at StoreItCold.com. Last Friday, as I said, was Earth Day. I posted a video announcing the just-released new findings from the 2022 National Gardening Survey, which includes specific questions about cut flowers that Slow Flower Society developed in collaboration with the National Gardening Association, the people who conduct the annual survey. I've added the video report to our show notes, so you'll want to check it out. Last year's survey found that 58% of respondents say it's very or somewhat important that the flowers they purchase are locally grown, 58%. This year, that number has climbed to 65%. Nearly two-thirds of respondents prefer locally grown flowers. The attitudes about American-grown flower purchases is also trending up. From 57% of respondents in 2021 saying it's very or somewhat important that the flowers they purchase are U.S. grown, To 61% preferring domestic flowers in 2022. There's much more to learn. And as a bonus, we've prepared a media kit for Slow Flower Society members to use for their own local promotion. If you're a member, you'll find a special email in your inbox this week sharing the details to download the press kit. All in all, I'm encouraged about the needle moving higher as we now have two consecutive years of consumer attitudes about local and U.S. grown flowers. Our final sponsor thank you goes to FlowerFarm.com, a leading wholesale flower distributor that sources from carefully selected flower farms to offer high-performing fresh flowers sent directly from the farm straight to you. You can shop by flower and by country of origin at flowerfarm.com. Find flowers and foliage from places like California, Florida, Oregon, and Washington by using the origin selection tool in your search. It's smarter sourcing. Learn more at flowerfarm.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor downloaded more than 842,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long running podcast, check out all of our resources at SlowflowerSociety.com and consider making a donation to sustain Slowflower's ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at slowflowerspodcast.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the Table one stem, one base at a time. I'll see you then.